miles and saw a handful of caterers, electricians, grips, and wardrobers swarming over the debris, quickly sorting through the bricks in a desperate search for survivors. Has anyone called for help? He shouted, but didn't wait for an answer. He was already yanking out his cell phone, flipping it open like Captain Kirk's communicator and dialing 911 as he approached them. The tiny device bleated an electronic protest. No signal. Shit. What was the point of having a damn cell phone if you couldn't depend on it at times like this? Marty snapped the phone shut, stuffed it into his pocket, and joined the others, picking up bricks and tossing them behind him as fast as he could. This was really bad. A native Californian, Marty's ass was a natural Richter scale, accurate within two-tenths of a point. He knew the Northridge quake was a 6.5 before Caltech did, and his ass was telling him this was bigger, much bigger, beyond the range of his experience. My brother! Someone shrieked. It was the guy beside Marty, one of the grips, the people who do the heavy lifting around the set. The guy was missing an ear, blood soaking his Panavision t-shirt from his shoulder down to his tool belt. But the guy was oblivious to it. He just kept repeating the same thing as he thrashed his way through the debris. My brother's in there, the guy said. My brother's in there. The guy said it over and over, becoming more frantic with each repetition. Marty focused on digging through the rubble directly in front of him. He didn't know what else to do. Where the hell were the firemen, the police? Why wasn't he hearing any sirens? Over here! One of the caterers yelled. Everyone scrambled across the rubble toward the caterer, helping him heave the bricks aside, exposing first a bloody pant leg, then a big silver belt buckle. That was all Marty needed to see. They'd found Irving Steinberg, the executive producer, a New York-born Jew who dressed like he was about to go on a cattle drive. Irving liked to refer to his ever-present Stetson as his ten-gallon yarmulke. In truth, Irving wore the Stetson because he thought it was less embarrassing and would draw less attention than even the most expensive toupee. Just look at Burt Reynolds and William Shatner, Irving would say. Wouldn't they look much better with hats? Irving always made Marty smile. In fact, Marty was walking out with one of those Irving-produced smiles just before the rumbling started. Put this show on the fall schedule, Irving said, and I can finally afford my dream. What's that? Marty asked, willingly playing the straight man. My own ranch, Irving replied. Right in Bel Air. I'm gonna call it the Bar Mitzvah spread. They uncovered the rest of Irving. If it wasn't for the trademark clothes, he would have been unrecognizable. Marty backed away, shaking his head, struggling not to lose his balance as he fled. Irving was dead. Just a few minutes ago, Irving was talking and joking and dreaming, and now he was dead. How could that be? That's when someone jacked up the volume on the world. Suddenly, Marty's ears opened up and he was bombarded by a shrill chorus of horns and car alarms, punctuated by the muffled rumble and pop of explosions, volleys on a distant battlefield. Marty looked up. It was like the theater lights coming on after a movie, 
when he would notice the walls, the aisles, and the moviegoers he had forgotten were there. Now the lights were coming up on Marty's new world. All the warehouses on the decaying industrial block had either folded in on themselves in giant slabs or were reduced to rubble, all under a huge cloud of dust. The only structure still standing was a cardboard box mansion in the alley, its dirty-faced owner peeking out hesitantly at the destruction, then disappearing back inside, closing a flap behind him. His building was the only one on the block that seemed to be up to code. Marty turned and saw the Sixth Street Bridge. The Art Deco giant slumped into the concrete banks of the L.A. River, pouring cars into the polluted dribble of water below. A big silver line of Metrolink rail cars had derailed, dangling over the vertical concrete embankment like decorative tinsel. Fire licked out of the windows.